When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is episode 38 of Flix Watcher Pod. Say hi, Kobe. Hi, Kobe. The film today is Whiplash. And we are joined by Ed and Ben, two Shabbos team quiz members, but you can also find Ben as Top Film Tip. And if you want to hear more about us or read more about us online, come to our website, flixwatcher.tv, visit us and join in the banter with us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod and head over to iTunes, subscribe to us, review us and share with your friends. And as we always say, guys, all the films were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There is going to be bad language, there's going to be spoilers, and we hope you enjoy it. Do you want a professional sounding podcast as professional as Flixwasher Pod? If you do, we recommend that you check out GL Productions. They're responsible for our editing and production. They're also going to give you a welcome package, 10% discount. If you're interested, email podcast at glpro.co.uk. Send them the message that Flixwasher Pod sent you and they'll give you 10% off your first package. Hello and welcome to this edition of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today we are joined by Ed and Ben. If you want to say hello guys, introduce yourselves. Hey, you're right. I am Ed. I'm a cinephile who is on the film quiz team with everyone else here. Hello. Uh, the uh, the bigger boat film quiz. Yeah, we are we are like one about half, half now, yeah. Half <laughs> of the Chappers Rollers around this table at the moment. And who are you? Hi <laughs> I'm Ben. I have the account top film tip on twitter and every day i put out little snappy synopsis to tip the best films on british tv so for instance for today's film whiplash my tip would be obsessively driven jazz drummer forges himself in the unforgiving fires of eager maniacal conductors precision perfectionism whiplash looks great summary. not to take away from ed summary which you're about to do now why did you pick this film and what is, what's it about so I picked this film because it hit me with quite a surprise. So I don't know about anyone else. I feel like jazz is a very personal music in general. is is a very personal thing. But for me, it's chilled mornings with breakfast and coffee or mm. in a, a dark bar where you're kind of, it just kind of seems quite relaxing and thought provoking, but not like this film. This film was like a car crash. It just hit you hard. There is a car crash uh, in there. There is a car crash it, in there. Yeah. He, he like um, a car crash or a symbol to the face. Yeah. Or, or a chair being thrown at you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it stayed with me. I think that's... So I saw this in the cinema and two years later, it's just kind of stuck with me. Like it was just really powerful. But as for what the film's about, on like the surface, it's kind of 
the narrative's kind of dull if you're if I'm really honest. It's it's about a student at college who wants to be the best, not just the best that he can be, but the best. Mm-hmm. And his tumultuous relationship with a psychopathic teacher. But at the end of the day, it's a student at college, you know? Yeah. There's not really yeah, it's not really a journey, I don't think. I don't think anyone really develops. They kind of stay the same. Well, it's quite interesting because that story could be applied to football. Or in, in America, it could be an American football story. It could be a, quite easily a sports story. But there is drumming in it as well. I should add that. It, but, yeah. There is a lot of drumming. Yeah, there is. But I think there's another way of thinking about it. And it's not a story about the student as it is about the teacher. So if you swap who the protagonist is, because the reality is that the protagonist and antagonist are both horrible people. Mm. Neither are likable in any way, shape or form. So if you decide to look at it from someone else's eyes, it's a story about a teacher trying to develop like the next jazz great. And for me, that makes it a little bit more interesting. That's a that's a fascinating point. And I, I want to come back to that later on. Cause the, that, that relationship between Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons brings so many questions particularly towards jk simmons motivations which are a little bit murky mm. they're never quite clear and to my mind that there there's some resolution towards the end i think we should come back to that later we are oh. going to discuss spoilers aren't we We're absolutely gonna... i mean talk about res- talk about it now this that was a fantastic description ed and i mean to my mind i'd agree i'd agree this film on the surface has nothing i am interested in i'm i'm not a, a big muso i don't have a special interest in jazz i've never really played an instrument in my life i don't care about 19 year old kids going to college there's nothing in this film that would make someone like me go that's the film i want to watch however what comes under the surface of this film is it is it's transcendent in looking at somebody's drive and desire to succeed about overcoming a bully and dealing and and taking control of your life in the face of someone who just wants to destroy you from the inside out and when when you start thinking in those terms everyone wants to succeed at what they do everyone has faced has had a, a terrible personality clash at some point with someone in their life it it becomes more than the sum of its parts it's the it draws you in you then start feeling for both the antagonist and the protagonist you then get drawn into the music which surprised me because i would have no interest in jazz the soundtrack's incredible mm. the two major songs whiplash and caravan i can listen to over and over this whole i mean this whole soundtrack has, i have on spot i it's one of the things i download on spotify is just an awesome thing to put on at any time whether i want to focus on it or whether i just want it in the background and the whole soundtrack just really kind of works, really works well for me, I think. I, I had quite an interesting experience. I, being that you can download films onto your SD card now from, from Netflix, I watched this in two sessions at the gym on, um, on an exercise bike. <laughs> and my pulse was oh, just sky <laughs> high throughout. It's like a hundred minute anxiety attack. <laughs> this film is unrelenting and exhilarating all at once. It has such a crazy pace, and yet it's really long and drawn out. Would you it's... say that it's your tempo? <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely not going with that tempo. I I watched that. Yeah, I watched it. With, I saw it first time at the cinema. Second time with, with Sarah, and she both times in that 
not quite my tempo scene. That is that is so that's so so tense, and it's, it's just so not to watch. Absolutely, it's, it's it's cringy. You have to. Very rarely do I feel the need to kind of hide behind a cushion, but that that was one of those scenes where I've just kind of had to peek over a cushion. Is, is it still going? Is it still? So interestingly, I watched this the second time, like on Netflix, mm. and there were times like that scene where I had to pause it and walk away and do something else. Really, for a couple of minutes and come back because my <laughs> heart rate could not take it. I was. I knew it was coming and I was like, I just need a minute. But this film was based on a, a short film, which is available online. I don't know if I should be saying that. It's not on Netflix, but... And the short film is just that scene. A few... The Not My Tempo scene. The Not My Tempo scene. Okay. A few different actors. So uh, it's not Miles Teller. I've, I've seen the kid before. I don't know who it is. But it's still J.K. Simmons. Like the guy who plays Tanner, the, the like core drummer. Yeah. Same guy. Mm -hmm. is, is the script the same? It's... Yeah. Like, word for word, it's even to the point where he screams at some point, I will fuck you like a pig. I was kind of surprised that that wasn't the gut you like a pig, but yeah, same wording. And yeah, it's just... It's tense in, it's that, tense scene, in, in that short. You can take that scene out of the film mm. and just have it by itself, and it is still brutal. Without even any of the build-up, without any of the kind of... Yeah, not as brutal. Yeah. Like, it does definitely benefit from... Slightly different pacing, different lighting mm -hmm. from a build-up and having seen a few of the characters beforehand, but it even removed is still still tense. One of the things that's absolutely captivating about this film is J.K. Simmons, and what what is is truly fascinating about him is he is the scariest, most intimidating bad guy I, I can I can bring to mind, mm. and he doesn't kill anybody he doesn't <laughs> murder anyone there's no contact there's, in it well there's, yeah, no, there's no there's no i mean there's there's threats of violence that you know he, he throws things across the room but there's no there's no real physical violence but he is one of the most malicious malevolent on-screen characters i i can bring to mind so i completely agree and at the same time and i know this has been discussed in a previous episode of your podcast but the best bad guys are the ones who vehemently believe they're in the right yeah and I think he is one of those guys. So he is like, he throws out these disgusting homophobic slurs. He's a horrible human being. Yeah. I don't want to in any way defend him. But I like the fact that he believes in what he's doing. So there's this, this is a point I really want to dig, I will really want to drill down on this. Because so there is a story at the core that J.K. Sims' character, Fletcher, describes and that's the story of the creating of the bird charlie parker mm -hmm. the saxophonist and the idea that he had a really bad session and had a symbol thrown at his head and it was that criticism if you can call a symbol thrown being a criticism it was that that forced him to practice harder and mm -hmm. become better and that's what he wants to do i mean he throws a chair he he kind of emulates this to the nth degree he wants to be Joe Jones, the one that kind of created the bird in, in his story. I, he, he sees nothing wrong with his style of teaching. No. Yeah. And, and he thinks that if he can create the next great, who, he'll have succeeded. Then he succeeded. And it doesn't matter how many people he has broken along the way. If he has made one person amazing, then it's worked. Now, this is a really fascinating point. I think this is the crux of the whole film. And for me, I think that is the lie he tells himself. 
If no, you, he believes it. I don't think he does. I think I think he, in that final scene, where he invites him on stage, he tells him this is the set list. I, you know, he he pretends to be his friend and and he meets him in the bar and he says, you know, I need a drummer. I'm going to do this big thing. All the best people are going to be there. He turns up. He he says, you know, yeah, all the best people in the jazz industry are here. And then he plays and he gets the whole band going on a tune that he doesn't know specifically to make him look bad, specifically mm. to ruin him and his career and at a personal and professional level. And at that point, I realized that he is just a malicious bully. And I don't think, but I don't think from that point, he actually, it, it, to me, to my mind, it reveals him that he's not trying he he might say he's trying to make the best, but I think. But deep is it down, up, and, up until that point before? Because he knows that Naaman, J.K. Miles Teller's Miles Teller's Miles Teller's character, he knows that he's responsible for him losing that job. So up until that point, where I kind of agree what you're saying, but he's got almost in his point of validation for making Miles Teller look bad. Has he? Because but he, no, in his mind though is what I'm saying. I, I'm not. I'm not saying really does he have he, but before that it could be construed as like, I want to make the best jazz ensemble and hopefully pull out the best jazz person ever. But when it becomes, right, this motherfucker got me sacked from doing this job where I think I, I had carte blanche to do, you know, find the best musicians in the world, takes that from underneath him and it becomes a, a revenge story almost of like, I'm going to destroy you. That acts the revenge, yeah. but everything else is before it. And This is where it gets murky. And you're right, it's very murky. I wonder... And like in his mind, it's revenge, and in his mind, it's right. It's not. Let's be honest. Mm. It's not a, the right thing to do. But he wasn't killing his career because at this point, Naaman had given up oh, the yeah. hope of mm. being a jazz drummer. So like he was working in a coffee shop. This is a man. So, this is a man who will go on stage with his whole ensemble, with everything he's worked towards mm. since being fired from his from his position, and ruin it to spite somebody else. He was literally ruin his own reputation to spite somebody else. That's where I think it's really murky because he would, like, if his drama screwed up so bad and then walked out and he doesn't have a backup, mm -hmm. he's ruined his own reputation. He's ruined his own career. Would he do that? And then the point that Naaman comes back on stage and he starts playing and he brings it all up, you know, and there's that ending with just the, the looks and you go... Has he succeeded? Has his disgusting, like really bullying technique, has it worked? That's interesting. Or well, do you think so? He think this, that's that's his. He's reached I, his zenith. Then I don't. Well. I don't know. That's it's one of those things where I think it, it's ambiguous. Left open and and I like that it was left open. But does first off, was it as an amazing performance as we the audience thought, or did it look like a drummer going wild on stage? I don't know. But if it was as amazing as we're led to believe, did it validate all the bullying leading he up to it? He successfully created this jazz master through his technique. What are your thoughts, Hannah? You've been quite on the quieter side, listening to Ben and uh, Ed. I, I think it's a masterpiece in, in filmmaking and performance. I mean, J.K. Simmons is phenomenal in this. He uh, record 47 awards he won for this role. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. Is he? Was it? Was he supporting actor for the Oscars? Or yeah, was he, they would okay. have. Or I think they're all in the supporting role. But I mean, his performance is amazing. But we shouldn't discredit Miles Teller, Teller, who probably will never ever be this good or in anything. Has anyone seen the lead good. for this? 
That was the no, boxing that was the boxing film. one. Yeah. yeah, is that good? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not. It's not Whiplash, um, but it's not Fantastic Four. It's the old dear Lord. <laughs> I think I think we've already oh, had the uh, I, poor Miles Teller. <laughs> you were we... so good in this. He's so he. They. I mean, they're both brilliant in it. And yeah. At no point do you not believe that you know he isn't fully invested in this. And it. What Ed said. I I love that these two main characters are so unlikable. It's, it's a film where you you don't really want to root for either of them because they're not likable. They're self-centered narcissistic they've got no interest in anyone else they just feel like society has wronged them for not being able to achieve not recognize their 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 excellence their brilliance yeah it's it's brilliant the thing is like they're the only people that really recognize their brilliance no one else that we see does so you go again are they really as good as they think or is it in their mind i I think there is that there's what is fascinating is i watched this on release i think presumably the same time around the same time as you did that and then i watched it again a few weeks ago there's that and i i, I forgot what an absolute bastard miles teller is oh, that's, what, yeah. that's horrible that's it's what i was thinking because his family is horrible it's his girlfriend yeah, the scene at dinner with his brother is it his brother's oh, absolutely, cousins, yeah. cousins and, and he just goes out of his way to try and belittle and rubbish yeah. their achievements rather than being friendly there's this that really horrible scene i think it's kind of mirrored in in la la land as well where he has that really awkward breakup and and he basically just says, oh, you know, you don't really have any aspirations and I'm fantastic. So I'm just going to resent you. So we should just break up now. I think, yeah. uh, to be honest, I, I think that was a, one of the best things he did. And in, in acknowledging the fact that he was going to be a bastard, if it continued, he would just be complete shit to her all the time. And I think that's a fair enough point. But the things like... The delivery of it. Yeah, the delivery was poor. The dinner table scene was horrible but there's all the kind of little looks he gives to himself like when he's when he's picked for for uh, Fletcher's band instead of the other guy is the kind of like yeah of course it's me I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the daddy Mac and when he gets when it's the drum off between the three of them and he kind of wins at the end you know he's super smug about it and he he thinks he's the shit and it's hard to get behind someone who thinks they are essentially God's gift but you know he's it's it's hard to it's hard to feel empathy for him, and and I think that that's a testament to the to the writing and the direction and, and particularly the actors that it's it's very easy to make a film about likable characters, mm. but it's very hard to make a film people like about unlikable yeah uh, roles. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. So I have a question. He wins the core drumming spot by losing someone else's folder. Yeah. Do we think that it's as ac- accidental as no, the film makes it. up? I do think he lost it. Um, I reckon that J.K. Simmons took it. That was ah, my okay. that was my yeah. feeling. Oh, really? Yeah. So the feeling is J.K. Simmons took it in order to give him the role to teach the other drummer a lesson, and to see how he'd react to it because he could own up and say, "It was me. I lost it. It's my fault. I take responsibility." Whereas I, I th- he fully lets him get the shit, I, I so think- he gets rid of him, and he doesn't at any point go. You know, actually, I, I was given responsibility of that and I let it out of my sight. And He's more than happy yeah. to see it go. I, th- yeah. I think this plays back into what we were talking about earlier with, you know, is he is he genuinely trying to, to make the best jazz musicians in the world or is he just a malicious bully? And I think if you look at some of these little details where it gets personal, where you, you know, I don't think he the character is actually homophobic, but if he knows someone's gay, then that's the thing he's gonna he's gonna go for. If he mm. sees someone's a bit fat, that's the thing he's gonna go for. He just gets personal and then he if he was just pushing people, that would be one thing. But what 
it's the nice side. It's the side when but he that's when his he's technique for yeah. teaching though. So that was he like, believes you've got to be cruel. He, he to builds get them people to that up and then crushes them. It was perfect when when he first when Naaman first comes to the um to the, the core band. So I can't remember what the, the ensemble's called. Studio. And the studio. And it's the break and Naaman's just there at the start, he's turning the pages and he says, Okay, after the after the break you'll be up. And he has a little chat with him. So just tell me about your parents. Yeah, my mum left this, that, and the other, and then that plays right into his hands for the rest of the film. Yeah, all that, the way through to the end. It was yeah. brutal, just deliberately working out ways to screw with you afterwards. Yeah. Build you up to tear you down. So there's another documentary on Netflix. There are quite a few good documentaries on Netflix, but I watched one called 20 Feet from Stardom about fashion I've, I love that film. I think it's absolutely outstanding. So one thing that hit me while watching that it was there was one backing singer who was singing for Ray Charles. Right. And she tells a story about how she got something wrong on stage and he had a massive go playing the note that she was supposed to hit over and over in front of like thousands of people. And I was like, so that kind of teaching technique is used. Yeah. That's not just J.K. Simmons. Yeah, but was Ray it. Charles doing that to uh, benefit this, uh, this backing singer or to, or to just crush her because he was pissed off? So to make her never do it again. That's but that's the question: Is J.K. Simmons doing it to make someone better, or is, as you feel, is he doing it because he's a, a dickhead? Once that's happened to you, you're never going to do that again because that will be in your. I mean, mind. It, does, it doesn't make it right. I'm no, not saying oh, no, that no, I'm not excusing it, is... but that's you know, it's this kind of teaching in this kind of arena let's, is not uncommon. Let's jump. It's horrible. Let's jump to the very final moment: the, the look between the two on stage. Is that a look from J.K. Simmons of approval? Like, you have now met met my expectation. I now see that I have done my job well. Or or is it a, okay, well, you're here now. You're doing it. Okay, let, let's carry on. And the, to my mind, that the look back from Miles Teller is, I no longer need to meet your expectation to feel validated. I think that's a look from Miles Teller, but I think the look from J.K. Simmons is more... It's on. <laughs> oh, shit. I like this. Now... Now that Doggy's got some bites, let's actually let's actually do this properly now. And I think he would have been perfectly happy for Miles Teller to cry off, but I think now it's a, uh, it's on. Yeah, now it's, it's on, and it's actually it's a game. Yeah, yeah. And maybe they're not contemporaries, but at least they're more. It's more of a an equal footing to master and. It's no longer teacher student. Yeah. It's now conductor and drama. Yeah, they're kind of not quite equal, but they're more equal. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because um, people assume professionals are friends. So I, I remember reading about Penn and Teller. Are they uh, not friends? Penn and Teller apparently don't spend any social time together. They do their work stuff, they do their shows and they practice and stuff, but then each goes off to their own family and they do their own thing. So they come together and have a professional relationship mm. where there is like a, you know, a real camaraderie and, and, the, and a kinship. And a kinship, you're right. But then personally, they have no goings on together. And I think, you know, everyone probably has similar relationships at work with There's some people you get on with, some people you don't, but you can put your, you, you just get in and you have a professional relationship. And I imagine perhaps that's what happens with these guys after the film is that they no longer ever really want to spend any time together, but they know they can rely on each other to, to be the best yeah. in the jazz environment. Yeah, that maybe, but maybe <laughs> they are just both dickheads and are just trying to ruin the other one. What happens know? when... Uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. J.K. Simmons, Helen. Just generally, what are your thoughts on him as a as an actor? Oh, he's great. He's often the best thing in a lot of films. Yeah, I think in the first first time I saw him was was the first Spider Man where he played J.J. J. J. Jameson, wasn't he? 
He's, he's got a fantastic patter, hasn't he? He has. And also, I mean, he's fantastic in this, but he's also absolutely brilliant as the dad in Juno. Yes. Where he's yes. the sweetest, yes. kindest, I completely forgot about loveliest father. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that. That That is the brilliance of him, that yeah. he can play this... Monster. Monster. And then yet play the nicest human being as well. So his range is brilliant. Yeah. And in each film, he is different. Wasn't he a neo-Nazi uh, Oz. in Oz? Yeah, he played a hor horrific character oh, in Oz. I remember wow. an anal branding. Is that, yes. Was that him? Yeah. I haven't thought of Oz in a very long time. That's a great So movie. Oz was the one of the proto-new wave TV HBO. shows. The first yeah. HBO yeah. show was, I think. Set in the prison where he played, yeah, he was a leader of the Aryan Nazi Nazi guys. I watched that directly after Juno, and that threw me. <laughs> also, like to point out the dad in this is Burke from Alien. Yes. Aliens. Right. Okay. So um, I can't remember. Yeah, he is. So I, yeah, I, I think J.K. Simmons is. What's he been in since? Because he obviously his his um share, his stock price has gone up since this, didn't it? The accountant he was in recently with Ben Affleck. Yeah, I didn't, wasn't so keen on watching yeah, that. Yeah, that wasn't... <laughs> wasn't it uh, wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It, it wasn't... I mean, it's never going to be, like, remembered as a, a great film, but it was an you know, okay watch. He's going to be Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. In the new Justice League. And it'll probably be the best thing in in the yeah. DC universe once he's in it. I think that's a fair bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, so J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller, beforehand, he was in... He's, he's a talent. Did he did he learn to play the drums just for this role? He he, he had knew. played drums previously. Yeah. Okay, he, he said he had not a small to role in La La Land. Yeah, Jackie Simmons reprising basically oh, yeah. his role in La La Land. Maybe Oh. do you think that's what happens to him after Whiplash? He goes to LA and starts a little jazz club where he just makes people like just tries to crush jazz musicians <laughs> by making them play Christmas music. Are well, you? that's what I did. Have you not seen La La Land? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Are we just trying to like create a cinematic universe? Here? There's a cinematic universe going on in. Uh, I mean, speaking of La La Land, this in comparison is... I mean, you have I can't to. believe he, he made this and then made La La Land. So Damon, Damon Chazelle. What I find really interesting about that is he did um, a roundtable talk for The Hollywood Reporter. And he discussed that this was the film that he wanted to make. Yeah. Sorry, not this one. La La Land was the film that he wanted to make. But he could not sell it to anyone in Hollywood. They wouldn't give a crap about no interest uh, in jazz no interest no no interest in a musical mm. in that kind of yeah but selling whiplash was a lot easier so after whiplash he was then given carte blanche to make whatever he wanted and he went back to his his like really personal project of la la land <laughs> but this one feels a lot more there's so much energy in this and apparently this was shot in 19 days and it wow, feels really? you can that feel urgent that. yeah and the the script, the way it's shot, the editing, the sound, the acting, the pace, everything about it is just off the charts. And when you compare it to the average film that La La Land is, it's just, this is dazzling. It's kind of interesting because, yeah, like I said, this, this kind of relationship would typically be a sports film. Yeah. And when I first saw this in the cinema, when I first saw the trailer in the cinema, I had no idea what it was about. It didn't look that interesting to me. But everyone, a lot of film journalists I respect said this film is, is absolutely outstanding. Basically, everyone who saw it just said, you yeah, just you have need to, to see it. it. It's and phenomenal. I was like, okay. Sometimes you go in there with that expected kind of view of a film and you don't want, you don't want, you don't want it to live up to it. But it was just from the start, from the off, that, that face-off with him in, in, the, uh, in the practice room from the start set the tone. 
through to the end where even just the way that it presents music on film yeah. is so fresh and exciting it's it could have been so easy really dull and boring with just it could just have been a guy shouting at someone who's playing the drums but it's not that the way it's cut the way it's timed mm -hmm. the way it's lit i mean there's no way that there'd be a real studio that would be that dark no that was so really it's well yeah. lit, wasn't it? every it was detail is completely considered thought and precise right down to the blisters the blood on the drumsticks mm. It could easily sweat and tears. Yeah, it feels that so scene, real. That scene when the three drummers were facing off against each other, I've never felt more exhausted for anyone. And, and then, like, they hit. Okay, we're starting. And you look at the clock, and it's two a.m. Yeah, damn. <laughs> and and underneath it all, I think the thing f for me is is it felt like there was there was a commonality under like so a relatability to this film, not specifically for the jazz not specifically for the college experience but for for uh, for achieving and for o overcoming a bully yeah for ambition i think and i i think everyone can relate at some level to that experience it's interesting that you mentioned it's like sports films because mm. there's like sports film. yeah it really is there's there's an idea that if you want to be an elite athlete you have to put at least five thousand hours of practice into what you want to do that was the ten thousand Sorry, ten thousand hours. The, the Malcolm Gladwell like theory, and you go, how does anyone stay motivated to like put in that much time? And it's that weird like motivation that they've got that they can keep swapping, and despite the fact their hands are bleeding mm. and they are sweating and they are crying and they're being bullied, they still love what they do enough to keep going. Is it popcorn time? I think it is. Scores and some popcorn. From Popcorn Shed, one of their secret family recipes. And this is the salted caramel one that they've got here. Uh, just as a preference, mm. are we salty or sweet fans for normal popcorn fan, preference? That, that really works. Yeah, I'm a sweet fan. I'm a salt and savory fan. But this is chocolate in it as well. I'm so. I'm intrigued. So this is uh, Sam and Laura. So it's a. Independent popcorn. They uh, won a great taste award last year. I particularly like the packaging that they've got here. It's a little cute shed. We'll have some pictures of it on our Twitter, but there might not be any pictures of the popcorn left because it is delicious. All the popcorn's going to go in my mouth right now. Um. <laughs> this is great for your ears, guys. Sorry you're enjoying it as much as we are. Does this sound great to you guys? I realise I realise four people not talking on air is doesn't make for great radio, but it's for good cause. This is <laughs> really delicious. So you can find Popcorn Shed online at popcornshed.com. They've also got a really good Instagram as well. Yeah, they're very uh, very visual. So it's really nice to see them with some nice design, mm. nice visuals. I know actually the the designer that made their website and made the packaging and stuff like that. So it's all hi Kelly from White Bear Studios. Super cool. Ben's taking a little picture now. Is that you going to take it to home to the kids? Or just for you so you remember it? Just for top film tip. <laughs> Excuse us while we um, eat popcorn. Say them. Go to some sports.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, guys, and it's time for the scores here this episode with Whiplash. And Ed is your choice of film. So let's talk about, yeah, your recommendability score. So this is quite interesting because I want to say a five. I came out of watching this at the cinema Mm -hmm. and I told everyone to watch it. Yeah. You know, and they missed it and I went, it, it'll be on at Prince Charles, catch it. Mm-hmm. Very few people did until it came on Netflix. People, like, people were just like, I don't have time to go to the cinema. But once it was on Netflix, that they did. I recommend it to my parents. Right. They did not enjoy it. A bit sweary. Yeah. I think they couldn't relate to either character because, as we've said, neither character is likable. You've got a pretentious young guy and an older bully. Like, neither one is, is likable in any way, shape, or form. So they didn't like it at all. And I guess it doesn't have a happy ending either. So there's no resolution for Yeah. Anyone. And I wonder if, if them not liking it has made me think that, that maybe it shouldn't be recommended to everyone. But I, I just want to. Go with your heart. <laughs> yeah, Go I, with your heart. I would recommend it to everyone. And if they don't like it, then sucks to be you, really. That's getting a five. Ben. <laughs> Posing for photos. Posing with for photos whilst eating popcorn and giving scores. Recommendability. This is a tricky one. I I have a universal uh, love of film and, and I think all films should, should have some relatability to everyone. I don't think this is a film everybody would love. It's quite abrasive. It's emotionally exhausting. But at the same time, it is, is I think, as Helen said, it's a masterclass. Is a masterpiece. It is really a tremendous, a really tremendous piece of filmmaking. I'm going to say a four. Four and Helen. Five. If I could give this film more than five, <laughs> I would. I I don't care that there might be people who might not like it. If you know, if, if you haven't seen this film, you have to see it, and you can decide whether you like it or not. But I think you have yeah. to take that chance, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so good. It really is across all the levels: the acting, the direction, the script. Even if you come out of it and you know you really, really don't get on with it, you'll probably still have a complete roller coaster of a film experience. Even if you ha- if you come out hating it, then it just will have brought out that much hate in you. It's it's such an experience that you just have to watch it. It's got Oscars, right? It got Oscars for editing, sound, and supporting. Jake Simmons. Yeah. And what sorry? You would say those are valid. There's no. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should have won director for this, not La La Land. I'd agree. He gave her the wrong wrong film, Oscars. Well, I can't remember what else was up for Oscar this year. Well, who won the Oscar this year? Do you know? We'll do some research while I, while Moon, I give Moonlight my Moonlight won Best Picture, but he won No, this year, sorry. The same year that Whiplash was out. Oh, this was the year of Boyhood and... Did Boyhood win Best Film? Can't remember now. People, look up your it, Google. It, always, it made me laugh on uh, when the BBC News headline this year was uh, Wrong Film Awarded uh, Best Film award at Oscars was like doesn't that happen every year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this year, I mean, just to digress slightly, I think Moonlight was the best film and should have won. I've, although I haven't seen, I haven't seen Hackers or Ridge. That's the only one I haven't seen. But of the films I saw, I think Moonlight was the the clear winner for me. I'm going to give this a four. I think there were. I think this. It's 
visceral without being a visceral confrontational without being actual full contact and i think sometimes the language that jk simmons character fletcher pulls out i just think would i'm, I'm thinking of my parents when when you said your parents i think my people like my parents kind of generation would kind of almost just stop the film and think this is not for me this is not this, there's no need to be this kind of person it's strange the age in the cinema when i was watching it i was the youngest by far right and there were a lot of middle-aged to elderly people in that cinema maybe it was the jazz that made you know people think that it's going to be a lot calmer than it actually was i don't know but back to the oscars yeah it was you know you wait for films about drumming to come along and then two come along. birdman birdman yeah the other film about drumming won best picture that's okay i really enjoyed birdman i need to watch that again actually i haven't seen it again since the since the cinema invisible editing invisible editing it was it must have won for, that one for best in the cinematography as well don't worry about checking out <laughs> so repeat viewing score ed so i watched this again in preparation for this podcast so this is your um, second time so this is it? my second time so i have watched it again two years i think it's a long enough break i'm not gonna be watching this with any regularity it's a little bit too intense but i will watch it again yeah. you know if a friend hasn't seen it i'll be like right we're sitting down and watching it there's <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not something you want to watch regularly. It's not a fun film in any way. But I would definitely watch it again. I'm giving it a 3.5. All right. Ben? I, I feel that there should be a health warning associated with this film. That if you, you watch it too it frequently... Yeah, yeah, if you watch it too frequently, it, it could have uh, some very dangerous effects on your mental and physical health. It, it is abrasive, to say the least. On on that ground, whilst I would watch this again and again and again, I would need quite a space between. Oh, really? Is that affecting for you? Do you reckon? Yeah, it's a it's a powerful film. It is it's a hard watch. It's very emotionally engaging. So on a scale of like Black Mirror, where we've both talked before about how well I needed like almost a week in between. You each can't episode. binge watch Black Mirror. No, but you can't you can't watch this just on repeat again. No, I think I'd have to I'd have to give this one at least a couple of years. Also, maybe watches. not at the gym again. Yeah. <laughs> well, could do some damage. Yeah. It got my heart rate up going. I think there could be something in that. Watching horror films at the gym, artificial twenty <laughs> percent boost to your heart rate. <laughs> uh, there could be something in that. I'm going to say a three point five. All right. Three point five as well. Helen, I'm going to give it a five. I, I think it's brilliant. I saw it at the cinema when it came out and um, noticed that obviously it was on Netflix. And then obviously when Ed picked it, I was like, yeah really want to see this again i'd quite happily watch it again this year mm -hmm. i think i think lends to repeat viewing quite well it's a tight it's, film it's not so it doesn't overstay it's welcome it doesn't feel i mean it's an hour and 47 it doesn't feel that long and there's just so much so many little details about it that you can notice sort of the second time around and the energy of it is just i i just think it's amazing, and I don't think he's going to do any better director. Okay. Wow. I think I, your peak. Uh, yeah, and he's, how old is he? He's like 36. I know, he? this is it. It's sickening that he's that young. But I, It reminds me a little bit. I, I remember, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but a story about an interview with Joseph Heller, and someone said to him, so you, you haven't ever written a book that's better than Catch-22 since Catch-22? And he went, yeah, that's true, but... Neither is anyone else, <laughs> and yeah. I think it could be a case. It could be a case that that, that no one else will uh, will make a film that's quite like this again. 
No, I mean, for this to be your first film, I mean, you think of people like Scorsese, like their kind of like second and third films were like their best, but this is just dazzling to mm. have this as your first feature film. Sickening <laughs> talent in this film. I'm going to go for a four. I think more than Ed and Ben, I think I'll watch it again. I didn't feel, maybe it wasn't so as emotionally invested or feel that it drained me as much as an episode of Black Mirror would do. And I think slightly to its detriment and the engagement score, I, I think because I, I really do like the soundtrack, I could potentially have it on whilst doing other things and tune in to some of the more key parts of the, of the story. So yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Small screen score. Ed? This one's tough. I don't think it loses anything by mm. being on the small screen. We So we all saw it at the cinema, we didn't, we? The cinema yeah. didn't we? Yeah. And, and that was amazing. But I don't think watching it on a TV necessarily took anything away. I mean, you watched it on, on a tablet? I watched it on a tablet at the gym. I, I don't think, yeah. I, I, I don't want to say that it would necessarily be better small screen. I don't think anything is better. Like, I, I think the cinematic experience is the way it should be watched, but... I don't think it really lost much, so I'm going a five. Okay, Ben. Yeah, this this worked for me. I agree. I think I preferred it in the in the cinema, but at the same time, this this was an, a nice way of watching an exhilarating film at the gym without the levels of um, nudity and violence that normally get me thrown out. <laughs> so well, that's before you start watching the film. <laughs> what what does that relate to? How do you how do you score that? I, I think I'd give this a five. To be honest, I, okay. I think it works. It works well, and it, it kind of has a personal feel. Yeah, Helen, I'm going to give it a four point five, just because I did enjoy seeing it at the cinema. But it, it don't watch it on a tablet if you haven't seen it before. Watch it on the biggest screen that you can, and with the sound turned up really loud. Definitely. And uh, just yeah. get yourself really put all the distractions away. Sit down. Because if you're if you are going if you are going to watch it with a tablet, you need some headphones and, and ideally decent headphones. You yeah. don't want to just listen to that. You don't want to rely on the speakers that your iPad or whatever's dealing just with. Start watching films on it's, tablets. It's a film that deserves good sound. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for same as Helen actually, four point five, and agree with Ed that I don't think it actually necessarily loses much, but I think until I can get an amazing kind of Dolby Atmos system in my house, then it's going to lose out on the sound system. But I don't think, I don't feel the benefit. I don't, I don't think it was much benefit of a shared experience in the cinema. I don't think it needed to be with other people. I think you could watch this with myself and, or, you know, a couple of other people and still get the same vibe out of it. Engagement score. So in a way that's different to intended, mm -hmm. I did pull away, but not because, because it was, it too was intense. boring me. But for the opposite, I I needed to just kind of, maybe it was because I knew what was coming. I'd yeah. seen it before and I knew the scenes that were going to get difficult. You know, I knew the scenes where the bullying was just... The not my tempo scene. The not my tempo scene. There were a few others where he's just, not that he's ever <laughs> on a nice level, but when he kind of pushes it way too far. Mm. So I guess that's the thing with having Netflix is you have that ability. But I was never bored. Um, at no point was I was I bored, and so I'd probably give it a five. Ben, I think uh, you know th this. This covered me for two good, solid uh, sessions, <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I and I didn't really have the, the choice of getting away, but I didn't really want to, and it and it kept me going. And the, the reason I the reason I watch films at the gym is because I hate going to the gym, and I need something mm. that that will keep me there. 
best exercise is, is the exercise you can roll out of bed and do in the morning. And all I want to do is roll out of bed and watch films all day. So this this kept me at the gym. It kept me powering through. There were there were a few moments kind of it's a little bit. Uh, the pace kind of slows down a little bit between the more intense scenes. But otherwise, yeah, I'm going to 4.5. Helen? I'm going to give it a 5. I just... It demands your attention, I think, anyway. And you've you've got to really go into this film, like put your phone away, you know, have everything you need so that you can really go in for the experience. You know, I think I probably did check to who, who the dad was, so I did look to see that briefly. But the first time I watched it, I was absolutely captivated. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to watch it again and fully immerse myself in it because I think it's just a great experience. I think I'm going to give it a four based on the fact I will watch it again, but I don't think I'll be... You might be more just having it on for the soundtrack. Having it on for the soundtrack and, and dipping bits. in when it's, yeah, when it gets to the fun bits. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense to me. So that gives us an overall score of 4.5, which is pretty, pretty high. high. I just... can't remember the last time I had a discussion about a film that was this sycophantic. <laughs> I, I'm sure, I don't think I've ever watched a film where I haven't gone, yeah, but there was, there was that, you know, that I didn't like that part and there was maybe this. I can't think of a single thing about this film that I don't like. I think I do think honestly think it is a perfect film and it is an example of, you know, masterclass in cinema. You could you can you can think of this a lot of films you could watch and go, well, they didn't need that scene or they could have done with this. This is a film where anything added or anything taken away would have detracted. It's it's the apex. Mm. It's the pinnacle. That is a great summarization of it. And a great way to finish. <laughs> Ed and Ben, give us a shout. Give us a shout out to yourselves. Where where can we find you online on the Twitters? I'm on Twitter at Corrigan90. I'm not really on there much, but if you want to drop me a line and, and tell me what you thought, then by all means. You can find me at Top Film Tip on Twitter. And we'll point to you guys in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for, Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks Easy. for having us on. Bye. 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 See you later. Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of fun doing it. Please do check out all the details in the show notes to find out all the details about our guests, where to find them on Twitter, where to find their website, where to harass them. Don't harass them because they're very nice people. <laughs> Thank you very much to our editors as always. Toby is the main guy who, who helms and carves our voices. And also hello to Tony, Jay and Greg and everyone else at GL Productions who we haven't met yet. Of course, Please big up Mighty People for the tunes you can hear now. And at the start of the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at Flitswatcherpod and visit our website, flitswatcher.tv.